Hey guys, so as you may have heard, we are currently in a global pandemic. As everybody does their part, we at Messy Modern Ministry would also like to do our part. Therefore, all of our episodes currently are being recorded remotely through Zoom. And so we would like to apologize for any audio that is not yet up to our standard that we want it to be and that it will eventually be. Nevertheless, we hope you guys enjoy the episode and we're going to get right into it. Welcome to Messy Modern Ministry, a resource where we equip leaders to navigate the ups and downs of ministry in our modern world. My name is Kristen. And I'm Joe. And we are so excited to have you join us today. On this episode, we're going to be talking to Pastor Kevin Mahaffey, a youth pastor for almost 20 years on the East Coast, has now moved over to the West Coast to take a role as a family pastor. He has also done communication and consulting for many different churches and leadership seminars and classes, and so we are just so excited to have him. I grew up attending a winter camp that Kevin ran, and I think at one point I actually attended this camp 12 years straight, and I tried to figure out how I did that, and I went as a teen, then I went as a chaperone, and now I still bring my youth group as a leader. And so I have just grown up listening to Kevin preach, just seeing his leadership style, and I am just so excited to have him on the show. I know you guys are going to be blessed. Kevin, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm honored and it's a privilege and it's been really fun watching you grow up and then step into leadership as a youth leader yourself. And, you know, the longer I've been in youth ministry, I get to see more of that. It's always really fun to see kids just uh, step into leading a next generation. And so uh, you're, you're a part of that legacy and that's awesome. Tell us a little bit about, about you, what you've done, what your ministry experience looks like. Sure. Yeah. So uh, in two weeks, three weeks, I will be married 24 years uh, to my wife, Adriana. She's from Mexico City. Uh, We have two daughters, 22 and 18 years old. Our 22-year-old just graduated college in December. And our 18-year-old is uh, just finishing up her freshman year at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix. And she's actually here with me. After 18 years of youth pastoring on the East Coast, I spent 2018 and 2019, just being an itinerant speaker and writer and doing leadership training and stuff. And when our youngest daughter graduated from high school, we started saying, okay, God, what's next for us? And actually just two months ago in February, uh, I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, where I have assumed the role of family pastor at Bay Hills Community Church and loving it so far. We're two months in and literally I was here like four weeks and uh, they said shelter in place. And so I was just getting up and running and everything changed. And so we're doing ministry in new ways. So I know that's what we're going to talk about today. Have you seen any major culture changes in the churches between the East Coast and the West Coast? Yeah, there's definitely some differences culturally in doing church. I have found even here uh, in Northern California, it's different than Southern California. Um, I feel like this area feels a little bit more like the Northeast. It's, it's a pretty unchurched and dechurched area. And so it's definitely a different vibe even than Southern California. Southern California, it's not uncommon to find huge churches, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 people. And there's just almost a cultural aspect of going to church. And on the East Coast, especially the Northeast, it's not that way. And so in the Bay Area here, it feels a lot like that. It's definitely faster paced as well. What I like about the West Coast in general, a lot of the churches and friends that I have in ministry, there seems to just be a little bit more of a, a funness to church. Like there, 
they're not afraid to have fun and they don't take themselves too seriously. And so I really appreciate that, that authenticity. Right. Um, and, and if, as you know, me in the Northeast, that was something that, that was kind of my <laughs> reputation. Um, I was going to say, I, it sounds spitting. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't afraid to be myself and, and, uh, I try not to think too highly of myself and not take myself too seriously, but take seriously the journey with Jesus and wanting people to fall in love with him. And, and so, so I, I enjoy it. So Kevin, after all of your experience as a youth pastor, what is the biggest difference you think uh, between being a family pastor and a youth pastor? Yeah. So there's, there's definitely a lot of overlap. However, as a youth pastor, I, I essentially ran the youth ministry. So I did a lot of the day to day things. I did have at times some part-time staff and volunteers that I, that shared the load with me. It wasn't like I was doing everything. However, in this role as a family pastor, it's definitely much more of an overseer role. And so I'm over children, I'm over youth and I'm over marriage and and parenting. And so uh, obviously I can't be a kid's pastor and a children's pastor and a marriage and family pastor, you know, those kind of things. And so the long-term position is going to be more, working to develop staff. So my, I ultimately want to hire a youth pastor. I want to hire a children's pastor. And one of the things I was looking for very specifically after being the lead youth worker was I wanted to be in a position where I could really be mentoring and developing leaders and, de- and developing teams more than doing the day-to-day. And so in the initial phase of my role here, I am doing more, practically running the youth ministry, but it is with the intention of helping my part-time staff see how it's done, understand how it's done. And so it's, I'll do, you know, you watch a little bit and then we'll do together and then you do and I'll watch. That's kind of where we're headed. And so I've been asked to just kind of model for the staff and and start talking to them and, and developing them and then pulling them in. And so that's the biggest difference is moving away from running and doing a lot of stuff personally to overseeing and coaching and mentoring. You mentioned the leadership and the kind of style that you use where I do, you watch, then we do together, then you do and I watch. Have you found that in your experience, that is the best form of leadership training? I, I feel that this is the best way to do it. The danger, I guess, would be is if you're doing and you're not then giving people an opportunity to step into it and then they they don't take ownership. Uh, they just sit back and watch you. And so you have to be very intentional that when you're in the I'll do you watch stage, that that is being done very intentionally, that people understand why you're doing it the way you're doing it. And you have made it clear that ultimately my goal isn't to be doing this. It's to, for you to be doing this because God's called us in leadership in the church to be equippers of the, of the saints for the work of ministry. One of the friends I have here said something along the lines of, if I catch you doing ministry, you're fired. <laughs> and, and I love the idea behind that because he's like, if you're not training other people, you're not doing your job. And so, again, while I'm doing that ministry, it has to be very clear to those that I'm working with that I'm doing this to model for you. And I'm going to be pulling you in and we're going to do it together. And then ultimately, I want you to be leading this thing. And I want you to then be starting to think about passing the baton to others. You know, you don't want to become the, the cog in the wheel. Right. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want to be the thing that stops it from moving. And so we have to constantly be reproducing ourselves. Yeah, I think what's so important about that 
is you do have to be so clear with those people. Like you said, I am modeling this and I'm not asking you just to watch, just to watch. I'm asking because I'm hoping that you will step into that. That's so important because otherwise we can get so just fed up with why aren't people taking initiative and they don't know they're supposed to. Yep. It's really a matter of communicating that as the church, we are not called to be spectators. We're all called to be participants. We're not supposed to just sit here and watch a few people up on the stage running everything. And, and so a lot of it comes down to vision casting and communication with everybody involved that, listen, we all have gifts. We all have strengths. We all have things that we do well. And we want to release you in those things. And so, yeah, being very clear that it's not just sit back and get your popcorn and watch me do this. You know, it's not the Kevin show here. So, Kevin, one thing I think that you are really good at, this concept of vision casting and just really being clear about where you're headed. I know that when we had you come and speak to my leadership team, one thing that you had coached us into, which sounds so, so simple, and yet it just gave us so much more clarity is... So what do you want to see, <laughs> right? And it sounds so simple, but a lot of times we just kind of think we all, we want to see the same things. We want to see teens come to know Jesus. But really when we sat down and said, what is it that we want to see? We began to get more detailed answers. We want to see teens uh, making their own worship set and leading worship. We want to see teens bringing one friend a week to youth group. And so I think what was so good about our training with you was it just gave us a much clearer picture. Vision is huge. I'm so glad 25 years ago, I was really exposed to leadership training. We went to a John Maxwell and Bill Hybels thing and, and that really captured me. They did such a good job presenting it and helping me understand if you don't have a clear picture of where you're going <laughs> and you can't, you can't convince anybody else to go with you, you know? And so, I think too many people just wander along and aren't really thinking about where they want to end up or where we want to see students. And so the starting point for me with everybody when I do leadership training is, guys, if you close your eyes, what do you want to see happen? Like, what, what's the dream? What's the vision? And that's your starting point. And then you work backwards from there. To, okay, now how do we get there? And that makes your ministry so much more intentional and focused. It helps you know what to say yes to, what to say no to. You know, the Bible says without vision, the people perish, right? <laughs> if you don't know what you're all about and where you're headed. So I always start with, man, what's the end goal in youth ministry? And I think too many people, the answer is too short-sighted, right? We talked about that. I often say, I'm not in youth ministry to entertain kids for the next four or five years and just keep them busy and off the streets and off drugs. Like... That's, right. that's, a, that's a very short-sighted vision. And so I, I start with the end. Like, I want to see them. I want to see these people become, you know, Christian grandparents. And like, let's start way out there and then say, okay, how do we, how do we start working toward that? So yeah, vision's huge. Yeah, that's good. So you leave the East Coast, you go to the West Coast, you are starting up in this new position this new culture, you're figuring everything out, and then coronavirus hits. What do you think is the reality on the other side of this? Do you think when we open our doors, we'll be packed? Do you think we've, we've lost momentum? It's a great question. I think it's, it's going to be seen, but I think when, whenever there's a crisis, there's an opportunity, right? And this is a great opportunity for the, for the church 
and I think that it's a shaking. I think it's, I think it's a refining thing. God's giving the church a pause to really think about why we do what we do. We talk about vision, right? Right. <laughs> um, and have we lost our way a little bit? Maybe, you know, after nine 11, we had that same kind of refining, like, okay, well, what are we really all about? What really matters? And I think that's important in the church. And so I don't know that God wants us to go back to church as normal. <laughs> I think there's a lot of things that are happening in here that we're realizing what ministry really is, what it should look like. Even here, we were just talking the other day that, okay, let's say in a month they lift the uh, shelter in place, our pastor, he said, I don't think it's going to be the doors just fly open and hundreds of people come flying in. It's going to be a staggered thing from a safety standpoint. And so it may be, okay, you can start meeting in groups of 20. You can start meeting in groups of 50 or 100. And so I think there's going to be a lot of people open to church and open to God, like after 9-11, because this is very scary, rightfully so. People are looking at what matters in life. And so they're asking deep questions, important questions. And there's a hunger there. But I don't know that it's going to be the doors are flying open and they're all just flocking into church, especially right away. So it's making us reimagine church. I know for us, it's driven us right into some old school ministry. Like we, we do this old school ministry with new technology. It's great, right? The church finds a way. <laughs> I mean, literally our church, we divvied up our our database and called every single person in the church several times. Now we've called them, right? Just checking on them. <laughs> When's the last time everybody got a phone call from church? Right. Is, is that kind of that old school that you're talking about? Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. Like, you know, the old school church, there's a church directory and everybody had everybody's numbers. You know, when this happened, I mean, I, I can't tell you the last time I, I don't think I've ever seen our church literally go through the database and call every single per person but now we are because we're like we got to check on people and so we're calling everybody how are you how are you holding up how's your family how's your health i think handwritten letters and cards are huge who doesn't love getting a handwritten piece of mail right and kids don't even know what that is so right. <laughs> um, I, I do it and and i love just seeing parents reactions and kids reactions and so last week we put out a postcard I put a word search with words from our ministry that would be meaningful and we put it on a postcard and I hand wrote over a hundred of them. Carpal tunnels killing me. Right. But, but just a quick note, Hey, just want you to know, we miss you. Here's a little something fun to break the boredom, have fun. And so we wrote handwritten cards and they love them. They're putting them on Instagram and they're saying, look, I got my card. That personal touch has been greatly lost just out of the busyness of church life and, just come to our meetings. Well, now they can't come to our meetings. <laughs> We've said for years, the church is not a building. Well, now we're going to find out, right? Right. It's so ironic how we can be so much more relational when we're not seeing each other. Yep. And so I think it's literally getting back to caring for people. No more come and see the show at church. <laughs> all the lights, all the smokes, all the special effects are gone. And so this is a great opportunity. I, I said this for a lot of years in youth ministry was we've noticed that kids, it's harder and harder to get them to come to church, right? They're com not coming to youth group. And so this has already been there. Right. Now it's just forced. And so even more so now they're not coming to church. And so we have to be the church and go to them. And we can't even physically do that by going and visiting and stuff. So we have to go in different ways, phone calls, emails, texts, our youth group is doing youth group on Instagram live every Wednesday. 
and it's great. It's fun. We're trying to find ways to be engaging and, you know, we're sending Amazon prime shipments for game winners. It's, it's, we're making it fun, right? We're using the technology. We're having double the attendance at youth group right now than we were a month ago. So thank God for all the technology that we can still connect, even though we're disconnected. And I love the creativity. You know, I'm seeing a lot of great things out there. So we've talked a lot about what normal is in a church, you know, normal training for leadership, normal meetings, all these things about normality. Do you think that when this is all over and we are able to meet in those groups and gather in church again, do you think that churches should continue to move in this direction with digital technology? I, I give you a couple of thoughts. Number one, I don't think the technology should replace meeting together in person. So if and when that happens, the church needs to regather. People should be encouraged to get back together, be in community. What I have loved about this is it actually fast-tracked some leadership training for me with my volunteers. There were things that I was thinking we would get to in six months or a year that instantly overnight, I said, we have to get everybody onboarded now because ministry has to continue and we have to do it in a digital age. I don't know if you've experienced this, but like whenever I try to do volunteer trainings, the attendance is always like, you know, you get 40% and it's mandatory and you get 40%, right? And so I've always tried to think, how can we record this? How can we do a Zoom? Or like, so people can still figure out a way to get the training. And, and so when this happened, it was like, we have to get every single volunteer has to know how to use Zoom. And so what's awesome is now they've seen it. They see how easy it is. They understand it. And so when we go back, I still expect I'm going to get 40% of a turnout in person. But now I've helped my volunteers understand you can still participate and you know how easy it is now. So Zoom in with us. We use CCB as our church database, and they have an app called Lead that I was like, man, I want my leaders to be able to use this because they can quickly access their kids' information, and they can do attendance and all these kind of things, and ah, we'll get to it you know, next school year. Boom, guys, you have to do this. And so we were doing Zoom calls and training them. So it just fast-tracked some of this learning, which was awesome. So again, it's not going to replace it, but I think we've shown people the alternatives that are there to say you can still be a part. And, and it's simple, it's easy, it's creative. And again, even Instagram, like some of our leaders, ah, I'm not going to be on Instagram or Facebook. One of our high school juniors is as a kid's leader. And one of the moms said, oh, my kids really miss you. They miss being at church. And do you have Facebook? And he said, no, I don't. And, you know, because Facebook's old school. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, but you know what was awesome? He went and created a Facebook so he could connect with these kids during the week. And our older leaders, they got an Instagram, you know, it goes that way. And so there's a lot of great things that they tapped into and just moved the ball down the field a lot quicker than if they had had to do it on their own with an option. Now it's like mandatory. It's like that shaking up that you were talking about earlier. People are getting out of their comfort zones and kind of being forced to advance their ministry. I think it's an opportunity for the church to get associated with these online platforms so that we don't slow down. Yep. Again, kids don't always get to come to our stuff. They can't physically get there, whether it's soccer or basketball or wrestling or whatever, or orchestra. And so we have to learn to go to them. So go to their games, go to their stuff. Well, that's off the table right now. Another aspect of going into their world is social media. And here they are now. And so, you know, the other thing that we have to really be conscious of, and we're doing some stuff with our kid ministry. And so there's extra layers of safety that we're trying to put in place. And 
it's made us really think about those things. You know, the whole Zoom thing with people hacking into calls and everything. We have to put layers of security. Zoom's doing their part. It's making us talk through a lot of things that we did not have to talk through a month ago. I'll give you one example. One of our small group leaders said, we would love for our first grade, first grade small group that meets on Zoom, we want to send them the link so they can invite all their friends to come, right? Normally, I would say, invite your friends to church, bring them. Now in a digital world, we're hesitant, we're given pause and like, okay, what are we opening the door to? And then we started processing. Well, maybe that's not the best thing to do right now. Maybe we create a third space that they can invite their friends to. Do we do a call with the family and FaceTime and get to know them a little bit and put them in our database, get a little more information. So it's good. It's making us really think through things. And you do have to go through those steps. If we have teens that come to our Friday night program, but we've never met their parents, well, then maybe the 20-something-year-old calling your teenager is a little weird for you. So what are those steps to protect yourself, to protect everyone involved? Yep. And there's this tension that we have to live in, right, between safety and the evangelistic side and the advancing things. Like, we don't want to just, I don't want to see the church go into a holding pattern, right? We're just going to lock down and bunker down like we're doing physically. We're still called to advance the kingdom of God, right? And so there's a big piece of that, but we have to do it in smart ways and wise ways. We have to start thinking outside of the box. How do we reach people outside of the church? Because our call to go and make disciples does not change because we're quarantined. Paul did it from jail, right? That's right. Yep. And, and I think, you know, like I said, it's forcing everybody to slow down, which is hard and frustrating. The good thing is I'm encouraging our students, look, now's the time that you can grow in your prayer life. Take time to do devotions. You have time. You don't have the excuse anymore. These little things that we're always encouraging people to do, and they always say they don't have the time. Well, now you got time, so there's no excuse, and we're going to help you. Let me let me say one more thing here, too. Specifically in family ministry with kids and, and teenagers, one of the things that's been something that's always been in my heart and we try to do this is say we're here to partner with families and help families and not take over right we're not called to be the spiritual authorities in the kids lives primary spiritual authorities we're called to be like supplemental that's good and we encourage parents you got to run yeah. this you got to you got to be in charge of your kids spiritual growth that's your job according to deuteronomy 6 right well now they're they're at home and so one of the things we're thinking about okay we want to do our best not just to do ministry with kids like we do normally, but to resource parents to say, you can do this. And I've been so proud of our church, especially our kids team. Every week we are sending parents, here's stuff for you to do with your kids at home this week that can generate those spiritual conversations. And so, you know, for parents that have always taken the hands-off approach, now it's like, look, you have to homeschool your kids. You have to do this. And so, we're trying to really communicate too, like, yeah, we're going to keep meeting with your kids and doing stuff, but now more than ever, you get to do this and we're going to resource you. And so that's one of those things I think is part of the refining too, is we got to practice what we preach. If we really believe parents are called to be the primary spiritual leaders in their kids' lives. This is a time to see it and show it and challenge parents to do that and say, we're here to help. So Kevin, what is it that you would say to leaders in this time to take care of themselves? Yeah, I would say, uh, even for me, it's like, you know, I'm working from home. And so there's this thought, oh, it's just chill. I'm finding like, 
I'm doing more work probably than I normally would do. You don't leave work and go home now. It's all mingled together. So it's stressful trying to work from home. I would just say a couple things. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. Being healthy as a leader is the most important thing. And if you're not doing that, you're not going to help other people. I say that not just physically um, in terms of your health, but also emotionally and spiritually. And so try to find sometimes ways you can disconnect. I would say do something physical. Get outside and take a walk. The sunlight's good for you. You need to just get some fresh air. Keep your social distance, of course. Read. Uh, read for pleasure. Read something to grow as a leader. Make sure that you figure out ways to do that and, and just relax. You know what fuels you, you know what keeps you healthy and find out what that is and do that. Anything to kind of keep your mind sane uh, while you're all cooped up. So make sure you're taking care of yourself. That's really important. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for the role you've played in my life and what you have done for the East Coast. And I'm just really excited to hear all of the things that you're going to do in your new adventure. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm really proud of you guys, and I love the podcast and excited to see how God uses it. Thanks for all you're doing. Thank you. If people wanted to reach out to you, Kevin, and get in touch with you, what is the best way that they can do that? Yeah, so my website is revkevjr.com. That's R-E-V-K-E-V-J-R.com. And you can get a hold of me on Facebook. I have a page. It's Kevin Mahaffey on Instagram. I'm Mahaffey CC, M-A-H-A-F-F-Y-C-C. That's uh, Mahaffey Communications and Consulting. So I also have another Facebook page, Mahaffey Communications and Consulting or Mahaffey CC. You can feel free to email me as well, CC at gmail.com. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe. Also, we would love to hear from you. So down below, you can leave us a review or a comment. Yeah, and you can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Messy Martyr Ministry for any teasers or updates on future episodes. Have a great day, guys. Bye. <laughs>